0: Hey, welcome to Access. John here. Have you ever wished you could have a new family? Well, believe it or not, there are websites online that promise that very thing. However, although you might call someone else mom, it doesn't necessarily make it true. Well, today we're going to continue our study in John by looking at a passage where Jesus talks about the family ties of several Jews. So if you've ever wanted a new family, turn to John chapter 8, verses 31 through 47, because this message is entitled, Like Father, Like Son. Have you ever daydreamed about belonging to a different family? You know, sometimes we wish we could just put ourselves up for adoption and completely divorce ourselves from our kin. And I think this could be for a variety of reasons, but it generally boils down to the same overarching issue. It's that we're embarrassed by all our family problems. Family problems can be financial or emotional, or maybe we're humiliated when, when people start talking about their abuse or addiction or whatever the reason... There just seems to be uh, this, this, this feeling. We don't want to associate with our, with our kin. I mean, I'll never forget going to one of my friends' house for Thanksgiving and, and how I wished I could just be a part of their family. And it was really because they just sat around the dinner table, and they laughed, and they had a great time, and they enjoyed each other's company. And it made me think, like, man, what's the matter with my family? We can't even, we can't even sit down together, much less enjoy each other's company. We always fight. And other times, I went to a friend's house for supper, and I'll never forget how you know he and his family sat around and just talked. I mean, if my family weren't fighting; it was just basically saying, "Well, how was your day? Good, good." And we really, we really didn't even sit down at the dinner table, and so maybe that's what it was. But the conversation that my friend and his family were, were having—I mean, it's just incredible—the the topic for discussion. Everybody was engaged. I I think they were talking about quantum mechanics or something, or the intricate complexities about what we believe about black holes, and everybody had input, except for me. (laughs) I, I felt like I grew up in the wrong family, honestly, because I couldn't even spell quantum mechanics. Still can't. But anyway, sometimes we daydream about belonging to a different family. And while it might seem like other people's families have it all together, there's a pretty obvious truth I think we should all recognize and that's that everybody's family has problems. Even if we don't know what they are. Everybody has dysfunction in their family and that's because we are all sinful. The the definition of dysfunction is really that there's one person in your family that everybody has to walk on eggshells around or maybe there's an addiction or abuse of some sort or you know that they are they're they're so insecure, that you have to you have to just basically be careful what you say to them. And, and it really is an absence of God in their lives. If you really think about it, that's where dysfunction comes from. It's when things don't operate the way that God designed them to. And it's because of the effects of sin. And everybody has dysfunction. Everybody. If they didn't have dysfunction, they'd be perfect, and nobody's perfect. So while it might seem like the rich family down the street has it all together, I think we should acknowledge that the truth is is that some of their family members wish they belonged to a different family too. I'm like, well, hey, you can trade places with me. You say that now, but if you really got to know their families, you're like, man, they're not even better off than I am. Well, in Sunday school, we've been walking through a book entitled Dealing with Adult Dysfunction, and in short, it's a book about how God can steer us through our dysfunctional upbringing and even use our past to transform us into the people that he wants us to become. And it also uh, helps to point out dysfunction that might be occurring in our lives now in our immediate families if we have children you know how are we showing how are we sharing dysfunction in their life and, 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 and in this book walks through how God wants to address those things and even resolve some of that dysfunction and, and even maybe um, you know create an opportunity of forgiveness. Now what I've learned from this study though is that it's applicable for just about everybody. It shows how everybody has that one person in their family who is a source of dysfunction and I, I I'm sure I would get an amen if if you know the thought of having only one dysfunctional person in your family sounds pretty good I mean like because that's the way I feel I mean, when you just have one dysfunctional person well good man I, I need to get out of my family and into yours well looking back on my, my family I can I can start to recognize that I tend to to focus on all the negative things. But people could look at my family of origin and think I'm delusional for thinking I grew up with dysfunction. And it's mostly because I had parents who loved the Lord and encouraged me to have faith. I mean, I wasn't sexually abused the way that some people were. And, and yeah, we had problems, but I never went to bed hungry. And, and not everybody can say that. Now, it's funny how I often daydreamed about belonging to another family, but I've heard stories about some people, some of people's upbringing that, that just made me thankful that I grew up in the family that I did. Yet, have you ever noticed the chilling reality when we discover how we really are our parents' children? I mean, have you ever heard your parents' words come out of your mouth? that That's not fun, right? Maybe it's something like, well, were you raised in a barn? Or as long as you live under my roof, you're going to abide by my rules. And when that happens, we cringe a little bit, don't we? Because my, we 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 swore we never say those things, and I'm not gonna be like my parents. And all of a sudden, it falls out of our mouth, and we just you know, we have that sobering experience where we realize that we really are our parents' children. Now, one one day, my dad said he uh, he was getting ready for work. It'd been a while since he had a haircut. He looks up in the mirror, and all of a sudden, he's shocked because he sees his father looking back at him. And he said the only thing that made him feel better about this was years later when he looked up and didn't see his father anymore, but his granddad. <laughs> Well, whatever the reason we want to emancipate ourselves from our families, we really should recognize that God is the one who is in control of who we are born to and that there is a reason uh, that he has given us the upbringing that he has, which is why we're going to continue our study in the book of John today by reading about how Jesus addressed the family line of the Jews. But before we go into this study, I I think we need to be careful when we read it. I was really struggling uh, struggling with this and, and had great difficulty divorcing the fact that this letter wasn't written to me. That John didn't write this to John Waller at, at Rungy First Baptist Church in the 21st century. But whenever he wrote this, he wrote this to brand new Christians and Jesus didn't say these words to Christians at all. He said these words to a bunch of Jews. And so it is it is it's it's okay to draw application out of this passage. We just need to be careful what that application is. Now, if you ever want to be a part of a different family, I think this is a great passage to study. So what we're going to do is we're going to uh, read John chapter 8 verses 31 through 47. And we're going to talk about it. This is what it says. It says, To the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, If you hold on to my teaching, you really are my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And they answered him, We are Abraham's descendants. We've never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent residence in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are ready to kill me because you have no room for my word. I'm telling you that what I have seen in the Father's presence, and you do do excuse me, you do what you have heard from your Father. Abraham is our father, they answered. If, A- if you were Abraham's children, Jesus said, then you would do the things that Abraham did. As it is, you were determined to kill me, a man who has told you the truth and that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. You were doing these things your own father does. We're not illegitimate children, they protested. The only father we have is God himself. And Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God and am now here. I have not come on my own, but he sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? "'because you are unable to hear what I say. "'You belong to your father, the devil, "'and you want to carry out your father's desires. "'He was a murderer from the beginning, "'not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. "'When he lies, he speaks his native tongue, "'for he is a liar and is the father of lies. "'Yet because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. "'Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? "'If I'm telling the truth, why don't you believe me? "'He who belongs to God, here's what god says the reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to god let's pray father god i just pray that you will use this passage of scripture to open up our hearts and to reveal the truth maybe it's an ugly truth of whether or not we know you and if we can hear from you father i pray that you would speak to us now through your word all these things i pray in jesus name amen now uh, there are several um points i want to make about this passage and the first one is, is you can't pick your friends, uh, or you can pick your friends, but you can't pick your family. That, that old adage, everybody knows that. One of the first things I want to show you in this passage is that Jesus was speaking to Jews who had superficial faith. They said they belonged to God, but as, as we read, uh, they really didn't. Now, if we're not careful, we can try to draw out a works-based salvation from what Jesus told the Jews. For example, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, then you're my disciples. And we could try to make it uh, what Jesus said, mean, you know, if you don't keep the rules, you don't belong to me, which is not what Jesus was saying. Initially, uh, when I was studying this passage, again, I had difficulty understanding what Jesus was saying and who he was saying it to. For example, in verse 30, it says, even as he spoke, many put their faith in him. And in verse 31, where we started today's passage, it says, to the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus spoke. And we, read, to, uh, we read, just, uh, read just a few minutes ago about how Jesus isn't saying very nice things to his audience. So I didn't understand why Jesus would be saying these things to a bunch of people who said they had faith in him. Isn't faith all we need to be saved? Yet yeah, Jesus says, only if you abide in my teaching will you be my disciples. Now this is where it's important to recognize that Jesus is talking to the Jews before his crucifixion. Our author says in, in John 2, 23 through 25, many people saw the miraculous signs he was doing and then believed in his name, but Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all men. He did not need man's testimony about man, for he knew what was in man. In other words, even though these people likely believed he was the Messiah, they would come to over you know he he would come to overthrow Rome. This is the guy. They didn't recognize him as God. And we need to see this uh, come to fruition later um, whenever he says before Abraham was, I am. These people attempt to stone him because what he was saying is, I am God. Now, these people had superficial faith. Jesus on many occasions said, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And that's what we're seeing in this passage of Scripture. They had faith in him as the Messiah, but not as the Son of God. This is a bunch of people saying, Yes, Jesus, we believe you. We're your disciples. We're with you right now. And so Jesus tells them, Well, if you hold on to my teachings, then that's true. You really are my disciples. In other words, you know, time will tell whether or not you're genuine or not. Believe it or not, there's such a thing as true and false conversion. There is uh, such a thing as a seed springing up from the dirt, but being able, unable to get its roots deep down because it's on stone and ground, and it withers away and dies. This is what Jesus uh, was addressing with this group when he told them, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So notice that these same Jews respond with indignation. What do you mean, be set free? We're Abraham's descendants, we've never been slaves of anyone. Well, Jesus shows them an uncomfortable truth. Saying you belong to a family doesn't necessarily make it true. For example, last week I said I was the long-lost grandson of Elvis Elvis Presley. Now despite how hard I might try to argue this part or or even how badly I want to believe it, it doesn't necessarily make it true, okay? One thing is significant about the Jews in Jesus' day is, is that a person wasn't recognized as a Jew unless they kept track of their family lineage. So uh, if a Jew could show their family lineage, then, then they could say, I'm a Jew. Otherwise, they would be considered a Samaritan, a mixed breed, a half-blood, and they would be thrown out pretty much, which is kind of what shows the importance of, of Jesus' lineage found in Matthew chapter 1. That's why that was in there, because he came from the Jews, and they wanted to prove that. If a person couldn't prove their family lineage, like I said, they would con- be considered a Samaritan. And so these people uh, responded by saying, you know, I can prove my family line. We belong to Abraham. I've got the paperwork to to show it. Now, this was important because God made a a promise to Abraham that he would make his descendants as numerous as the sand on the seashore. And in Exodus 6-7, God says to Moses regarding Abraham's descendants, I will take you on as my own people, and I will be your God. However, Jesus was sharing with these people that it didn't matter if they could prove their ancestry on paper. Because that's not what shows they truly are the children of promise. Jesus told them, you are slaves to sin. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. He goes on to tell them, a slave doesn't have permanent residence in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. Well, in biblical times, a slave wasn't someone who was stripped away from their homeland and sold in another country, forced to do hard labor. A slave was someone who sold themselves into slavery for money or possessions or food or land or whatever. And it was much like rent. Uh, is today they would go and they would work in a residence and the slave could work for the master's estate and take care of the master's possessions but because none of the wealth belonged to him once the terms were over they were thrown out and jesus is telling them you know you are slaves in the father's house Uh, you, you don't belong to the family because you've sold yourself into sin but the son has authority to set you free and the saying like father like son is actually true Jesus knew the power of parental influence, and this isn't to say that, that we're splitting, uh, or the spitting image of our parents, but, but uh, to some degree, we are all products of our environments, and we will repeat our parents' mistakes, and I, I think that's certainly true. For example, research indicates that almost every single ab- adult abuser was also abused as a child. We pick up behaviors from our parents. We are, we are products of our upbringing. And, and Which is why Jesus tells the Jews, I, I know that you are Abraham's descendants, but Abraham is not your father. He says in, in, in verse 39, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the things that Abraham did. And most of us uh, are more like our parents than we care to realize. One thing I, I wish I didn't get from my dad is my receding hairline, which I know supposedly comes from your mother's side. But what is totally unfair is that my older brother has a full head of hair. And I started bald at age 19. So yeah, I look a lot like my dad. It's not fair. Now, what what's more is that children not only look like their parents, they emulate their parents' behavior. For example, my son uh, Christian pretty much worships the ground I walk on, and and, and so um, he he likes to, to to pick up all my habits, whether they be negative or not, and and all those things he pretty much learned from me. So, just the other day, Aaron was pretty upset with me. You know, because he, he's not only adopts my mannerisms, but he, he, uh, he adopts my preferences. So um, she brought me some pancakes with maple syrup on. I, mean, I hate maple syrup. I don't like maple syrup. And apparently, Christian loved maple syrup until he heard me say that I didn't like it. And so now he's decided he doesn't like it either. And so I'm in pretty hot water with Aaron because, you know, she wants him to eat it, which, you know, is typically the way things go. Our kids, they watch our behavior what we like, what we don't like, what we do, what we don't do, and they generally emulate us. Now, it can turn to the point where um, you, know, you grow up and you say, I'm not going to be anything like my father, especially if we have uh, really negative experiences. But we have to understand that if that's the case, that our parents' decisions and choices are still shaping us. I'm, I'm not going to be greedy. I'm going to give all my money away. Was well, that really healthy? Is that really healthy? We emulate our parents' behavior for or against. And and our our parents have an incredible amount of influence. And that's why Jesus was telling these Jews, you are doing the things that your father does. And they responded, we're not illegitimate children. Now, notice that Jesus didn't say that they were. He just said, you don't belong to Abraham. Jesus told them that they had a father, but it wasn't Abraham. And they responded, we're not illegitimate. God's our father. And you almost have to cringe at what Jesus says next. Keep in mind, he's saying these words to the ones who claim to have faith in him. That's where it really gets painful. Jesus essentially tells them, if God were your father, you would emulate him. Since he loves me, you would love me too. Then he addresses an important point. The reason my language is unclear is because you're unable to hear what, I'm, what I say. In verse 37, he says, you have no room for my words. Now, this shows how every single person who is a slave is a slave to sin. Sin, sin consumes our lives because we love that which kills us. And, and, and we cannot hear from God. It's almost like the story of Samson. You know, as Delilah kept coming in and you think, she's trying to kill you, Samson. What's the matter with you? What are you doing? Why would you, why would you invite somebody who, who is guilty trying to kill you into your life? But honestly, that's the same thing that we do. We know We know sin destroys us, yet we still do it. Jesus tells them, if God were your father, you would emulate him. You can claim to be of God all you want, but if we can't hear his voice, it's because we don't belong to him. When you belong to God's family, you will recognize his voice. Now, I've often heard people ask, how can I know God is speaking to me? How can I know? Something that should never cease to amaze us is how an infant can recognize the voice of his or her mother child spent so much time in the womb listening to the voice of mom even when mom wasn't talking to him that outside the womb they immediately recognize her voice this only intensifies as you get older i mean have you ever been in a huge crowd and completely surrounded by maybe thousands of people and you hear your mom's voice over all of them you immediately pick up on that you recognize it jesus said in john 10 27 my sheep hear my voice See, when a person is born born again, God is speaking to them in their spiritual womb. He, he places them under conviction. And when they have an intimate relationship with Jesus, they are born into the family of God. They will recognize their father's voice. No, hearing Jesus speak is not a mental illness. I don't care who tells you that. Hebrews 1, 1 through 1-2 says, In the past God spoke to our fathers, forefathers and through the prophets... In, in many times and in many various ways, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through him he made the universe. Jesus speaks to us, and when Jesus speaks, it is the voice of God. This is the truth that Jews hadn't come to acknowledge, which later explains their outrage when Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. He says, I am God. Jesus tells them, you're not illegitimate children. You have a father, but it's not God. You belong to your father, the devil. And just like your father, you want to carry out his desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. And when he he lies, he speaks his native language, for he's a liar and he's the father of lies. Jesus tells them, your family ties are strong. I see your family resemblance. You can say you belong to God's family all you want, but if that were true, you wouldn't have adopted the mannerisms of Satan. You, you want to kill, you want to lie, you want to steal, you want to cheat, you want to destroy. You've become like the devil. So if you if you behave like the devil, what should that tell you? We need to recognize that when we are born into sin, we are born into the family of the devil. Notice that you and I don't have to train a child on how to say mine or, or be selfish or, or cheat or steal or hit or throw a tantrum. Isn't that amazing? They learn this all on their own. How? It's because their heart is deceitful. Because they adopted the heart. or They received the heart from Satan. And it, it is the heart is deceitful above all things. And beyond cure, who can understand it? We are When we are born into sin, we are members of the wrong household. But there is good news, and that is that blood is thicker than water. Now, usually when we say that, we mean that family ties are stronger than friendship. But in truth, that's not the original message behind this statement. You see, the original statement is actually blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb, which actually means just the opposite of what we typically make it mean. What it means is that a covenant sealed in blood is greater than your ties to your family of origin. Jesus put it this way in Luke 14, 26, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Not that Jesus' disciples are are to hate people, but that the love of our life and our devotion must all go to Jesus. Jesus must, must uh, come before the love of our very own lives. And if we want to be a part of God's family, we must go through the adoption process. This is why our author says in John 1, 12 through 13, but as many people as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, children of God even to those who believed in his name, who were born of God, but not, not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Jesus tells them in verse 47, the reason you do not hear is because you do not belong to God. See, the Holy Spirit hadn't stirred their hearts and placed them under conviction so they could hear the voice of God. They weren't being spoken to in the womb. And the reason why is because Jesus was to fulfill Messianic prophecy. Psalm 118.22 says, the stone the builders rejected has become the, the cornerstone. Jesus had to be rejected by the Jews. In order to bring the God the most glory, this, he says, this is the way it's going to happen. And that's the way that it happened. Jesus became the cornerstone of the new covenant of faith. And Jesus spoke to these Jews and told them, you don't belong to God. That's why you don't hear. You think that just because you're a Jew, you're going to get to heaven? You think that just because you have Jewish heritage, that makes you holy and God's people? But man and all of his righteousness is but filthy rags before the Lord. Your Jewish heritage is not enough. And here's a beautiful truth. God is willing to start the adoption process with us. Because we're not even Jews. And God's willing to start the adoption process with us. Ephesians 1, 4-5 says, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. See, we have the opportunity to be adopted into the family of Christ as sons and daughters. Now, the significance of that statement might not yet have sunk in. Picture Bill Gates, one of the richest men in the world, saying, hey, I want to adopt you. Now, multiply that by a trillion, 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 trillion. It's disgusting wealth in Christ. We not only get to be a part of God's family, we aren't slaves in the household anymore. We're heirs, and we ne- will never be cast out. I mean, that, that is an incredible truth. If we feel the tugging on our heart on the conviction of the Holy Spirit, hey, saying, hey, it's time to surrender, and when we hear the whispering of God saying, it's time to submit, understand that should give us an enormous sense of humility. It should cause us to jump up out of our seats and say, hey, I surrender my life to Jesus. I want the whole world to know that I'm an heir to the king of, king of kings and the Lord of lords. I belong to God. And when we belong to the family of God, we will emulate our, our father. And that's, not, that's because we've not just received wealth, but we've received power. There is power in the name of Jesus to overthrow the bondage of sin. He said, I will set you free and you will be free indeed. Sin that once dominated our lives, we have the power of the Holy Spirit to cast those chains off of us. We have the power to say no more. And I'll never forget talking about a pastor outside of a church in San Antonio. who talked about his his previous drug addiction. He said, you know, I always had this desire to quit, but I never had the power. That is, not until I met Christ. And what he was saying is is that each and every one of us hates the fact that we might belong to the family of the devil. And deep down we know because our hearts are deceitful. And things like drug addictions and and all the other kinds of addictions in the world and our, our sinful nature, it just keeps us in a state of bondage. And we want out. I want out of this family. But we didn't have the power to do it and Christ gives us that power. God overthrows sin. And those who know God abide in his word, and through Christ we know the truth, and the truth sets us free from our slavery. We are no longer slaves to sin, but a child of promise. Jesus invites everyone to do a paternity test. He, he, people who didn't believe that he was the son of God, he says, can you prove me guilty of sin? In other words, you behave like the devil because you're murderers, but who do I behave like? Now, Jesus got to say these words because he was sinless. There was no sin to convict him of. He was a perfect representation of God on earth. You know, though, that we we don't preach the gospel enough in church because what we tend to, to say is, you know, um, I even fall into this. And Now that we know God, we need to follow the rules and please him. And while that might be great advice, it's not the gospel. The gospel is that through Jesus Christ, God is already pleased. If you surrender to Christ, then you're in the family of God. You're an heir of inheritance and eternal life. He loves you. And you will not be cast out or sold off. Do you understand? Because of the grace of God, we too get to ask the same question that Jesus asked. Jesus asked, can you prove me guilty of sin? We can also ask, can you prove me guilty of sin? My dad always had a saying. He said, if a man claims to be free of sin, go talk to his wife and she'll set you straight. In other words, my wife knows what a sinner I am, and I don't dare say I am sinless. But you know what I can say? I'm not guilty of sin because of what Christ has done. We can open our lives to accountability inside the church. We don't have to be afraid of condemnation when we sin. Therefore, there is no no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Romans 8.1 We have received grace. And that's an incredible truth, and I don't think we, we rest in that enough. But you know... We also have to recognize what Paul says in Romans 6, 1 through 2. He says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue to sin so that grace may increase? Certainly not. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? In other words, it's insane. It's insane to be enslaved by a cruel master that keeps us in bondage and slavery and, 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 and have someone come along and set us free and for us to sit back down and snap the shackles back down around our feet. There is no more eternal consequence for our sin. Christ has taken our punishment upon himself, but sin can still enslave us on earth. It can rob us from that which we cherish in this world, our families, our friends, our health, our freedom. And for that reason alone, we should abide in Christ's teachings and be set free from bondage. Our desire should be to let other people see God in us. So much like on Jerry Springer, we should let the world know that God is the Father. Jesus invites us to do a paternity test with him. And I think that the dual nature of that is is that we also need to ask, do I belong to God? Don't kid yourself. Children of God emulate his behavior. That's just a natural overflow of the heart of of someone who is saved by God. That doesn't keep you saved. It's evidence that you are saved. So take a moment and and spend a minute alone with God. What's he trying to say to you? Are, are, Are you right with God? Have you come to know Jesus as an actual Lord? Or are you too busy trying to prove your lineage on paper? To, to, to put up some superficial way of saying, I belong to God, I know God, I pray all the time, I go to church all the time, I read my Bible. But you don't act anything like Him. Jesus said, faith is proven by act Indeed. And by your fruit, you will recognize them. I challenge you to spend some time with God and get to know His voice. Ask God to make room in your heart for His Word and abide in His teaching. When you abide in His Word, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Thanks again for listening. We pray that God blessed you through this message and has given you a clear direction for your life. Please remember to download our church app by searching FBC Rungi in Google Play or iTunes. And remember to subscribe to our podcast so you never miss another message. If you have any questions about today's message, you can contact us via Facebook or Twitter or use our website. Until then, we hope that you share in our vision to help people take root, grow, and bear fruit. And if so, then let's get out there and get to work.